Right, church, like Nick said, we will be in Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning. We are throwing an audible, like he said, so uh, yeah, learned I was preaching about two hours ago. See what happens. Uh, this morning, we're going to be, like I said, in Ezekiel 37. So if you would turn there, it'll be a little bit easier to find than Lamentations chapter 3. It's a little bit denser of a book. Uh, this morning, since we are going off this one-off sermon, uh, I'm going to read the Word of God to us, and I pray that we would remember and that we would know and that we would rehearse that it is God himself that gives us life no matter the circumstance. So listen now to Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 10. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many of them on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, only you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied, and as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Church, that is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Yahweh, Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much that you've given this picture from your word of what it looks like to have life come into dry bones, to bring life to where there was death, to bring rejoicing and joy and flourishing to where there was not. And so, Lord, I ask even this morning as we hear your word that you would continue to prophesy over your people, that you would bring the words of life to our hearts, that you would arouse us to new life in, as we walk in the spirit with you. So, Lord, now give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and give us hearts to understand what it means to walk with Yahweh, the life giver, this morning. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we read Ezekiel chapter 37, it strikes me so weirdly how calm Ezekiel is as he's walking through this valley of dry bones. If the hand of the Lord came upon me and then I started walking through this massive valley and I saw all of these bones around me, I'm not going to lie, I would get a little freaked out. I would be scared. And then when I get scared, I start asking questions. Or when I am just alive, I start asking questions. I ask a ton of questions. But then I would be walking with the Lord and I would say, Lord, who are all of these people? Why did this happen to all of these people on this valley? 
Could this have been prevented? Why did you bring me here? And, and ultimately, the question that I would really want to know of all these questions is, am I next? I believe Ezekiel's solemnity as he's walking through this valley of dry bones is explained because he already knows the answers to all those questions that you and I would probably ask if we had just been dropped here. He knows that as he's walking around this valley that this is a graveyard. This is a graveyard full of those who have rebelled against the Lord God. He knows that these are the ones that have sought idols and they have sought other gods. These are the ones that found security in their political leaders and other foreign armies and now they are dry bones on the middle of a desert floor. If you notice in this passage, there are seven times that that little phrase, Lord God, is used. Seven times that is used. And so when you see that in your Old Testaments, when you see Lord in all caps like that, that is God's covenant name, Yahweh, that you read in the Hebrew Bible. So whenever you read Lord in all caps in your Old Testament, you can replace that in your mind with Yahweh. Yahweh is littered throughout this passage. This is the name that God gave to Moses and his people before he rescued them out of Egypt. If you recall in Exodus chapter 3, before the ten plagues and before the ultimate rescue from the land of Egypt, Moses, is he encounters God at the burning bush. And God tells him, I'm going to save my people. And then Moses anticipates the question. He asks the question, who is it that I should tell these people that is saving them? Because remember, they've been worshiping Ra, the sun god, for 400 years. They've been worshiping all the gods of Egypt for a very long time. And so Moses wants to know, who do I tell them that is saving them? And then it says here, what is this God's name that saves us from Exodus 3? And then the Lord answers and says, I am that I am, or my name is Yahweh. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob, and he has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus, I am remembered throughout all of the generations as Yahweh. If you fast forward a couple hundred years when Moses has this encounter with God, this same people that was rescued from God out of Egypt, they forget the name of Yahweh. They forget that this is the God that saved them, and then they begin to go after other gods. They go after other gods that promise them better lives, bigger budgets, better health, safety and security, and they forget the name of Yahweh. They forget the name of the promise-keeping God. And Ezekiel knows that these dry bones tell this tragic story of forgetfulness. He knows that they tell the story of infidelity. He knows that the people of God, they abandoned the gospel. They abandoned the good news that Yahweh had given to them in their rescue. They would, that they would be his people forever, that, that God, Yahweh, would be their God. The church abandoned the giver of life for shallow, shadow promises instead. I am sure I'm not the only one in this room that can resonate with that. When you hear these other things that 
promise way more than they could ever give to you. I am sure I'm not the only person here that has exchanged the promises of Yahweh for the promises of something or someone or some circumstance else. Yahweh wants from Ezekiel to show the people that he is trustworthy once again. That's why he wrote this passage. God uses Ezekiel to reintroduce himself back to this long lost and broken relationship that he had with these people. So if we had to boil this passage down to its bare bones, sorry, I had to. If we had to boil this passage down to its bare bones into a simple big idea, our big idea this morning is this. Death and dry bones meet Yahweh, the life giver. That is our big idea. That is what I want us to walk away from in this passage this morning. Death and dry bones, let me reintroduce you to Yahweh, the life giver. So let's just jump right into this. I I want you to notice in verse three here where Ezekiel says, or where he writes, son of man, can these bones live? Pay attention to his response. Pay attention to what Ezekiel does not say in this passage. Ezekiel does not say, oh Lord, absolutely these bones can live once again. All they need to do is engage in better self-care and they'll be fine. He doesn't go and say, uh, you know, yes, Lord, of course these bones can be restored if they just had better boundaries. Or, Lord, these people will live if they could just take a bigger vacation, if they could just work less, if they could just have better kids, if they could just have a more attentive spouse, if they just gave to charities more, if they quit cussing driving down Elmwood under their breath, they would be able to live once again. Let me say that these things are not bad things that I just mentioned. These are not bad, unhealthy things. But when we turn these things into ultimate things, then we lose everything. You can still, for example, you can still be someone that has good boundaries You can only work 40 hours a week. You can have kids that are on honor roll. You can get that promotion at work. You cannot have any toxic relationships in your life. You can have these proper boundaries and you can run a marathon once a month. And if this is you, you can still have dried up, soulless, dust-covered bones. If your solution of feeling far away from God is anything other than having a vital relationship with Yahweh, then you don't need to look any further of what the result of you trying to do these things out of your own strength would be. You just need to look at Ezekiel 37 and see the dry bones that are on the ground right here. This is what is going to happen to them. And so we need to remember death and dry bones meet Yahweh, the life giver in all of our circumstances. That's what we continue to rehearse. That's what Ezekiel wants here for us. And it continues on in verses four through six. Look with me at your Bibles. It says this. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, 
Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am Yahweh. Here's Israel's simple yet effective solution to their dry bone problem. The solution is that Yahweh is the one who causes the growth. Yahweh is the one that brings life. Yahweh is the one that places sinews and gallbladders and lymph nodes and intestines back into these bodies. As we can see, the Lord is telling Ezekiel to tell these bones to get up and to prophesy. And so Ezekiel does just that. The Lord says, Tell these bones to live. And Ezekiel, instead of like me, be like, are you sure? Ezekiel says, look at verses 7 through 10. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them. Flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says Yahweh, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. The nation of Israel in this moment was restored both body and soul back to Yahweh by the grace of Yahweh himself. This scene of the dry bones uses literal and figurative language to show that national Israel would be thrust into exile because of their rebellion. And it's quite heavy to think that the nation was thrust into exile because of their rebellion. Every dry bone on the surface of that desert floor actually deserves to be there, if you think about it. There's no innocent person that is lying dead on that dry floor. There's no one that has perfectly followed God. There is no one that has upheld all of the righteous commandments of Yahweh himself. This massive congregation of God's people forgot who their Lord, who Yahweh was. It is by the grace of God that we're able to know who God is once again. It's not about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. We see that Yahweh working through his word by his Holy Spirit to make himself known to the nation that this will give them life. This will bring them back from the dead. Ezekiel is playing the middleman. He is reintroducing the people of God back to a vibrant, loving, vital relationship back to God once again. Ezekiel wants the people to know death and dry bones meet Yahweh, the life giver. That is his job. He's reintroducing them. And at this point, the question has to be asked, what is the point of being a vibrant and healthy church? What might that look like? Why would God just bring them back? Is he like, oh, look, I can do these crazy magic tricks. You should probably follow me. No, God has a specific plan for us as his people. 
To be a vibrant, healthy church does not mean that we are a financially secure church. There is no such thing. It does not mean for us to be a healthy, vibrant church that we have a bunch of people in the pews on Sunday morning and that we can self-proclaim and say, look, we've got so many people following us. We must be doing the right thing. It definitely should not be that we have found security in the right relationships with the police officers, with the military, with elected officials. That is not what makes us a healthy and a vibrant church. That's exactly what Israel thought, and that is what put them on the floor of the desert in the very first place. A healthy and vibrant church is not necessarily the coolest, the youngest, the largest, the richest, or the most missional. The vibrant and healthy church is full of people who have an intimate and true knowledge of who Yahweh is as their salvation, life-giving redeemer. It is those who have been called from death to life back to the land of the living because of what God has done, that we would be God's people, that he would be our God, that we would love him and that we would love other people and that we would be good stewards of the creation that he has put before us. It's repeated three times in these 14 verses that we would know God. I am doing these things by my grace, says Yahweh, that you would know that I am Yahweh. He says that three times. That you would know that I am Yahweh. The rescuing, sustaining, loving God. And if Ezekiel had to say it more succinctly, he would say, death and dry bones meet Yahweh, the life giver. Do you see how much I want that to be stuck in your heads no matter the circumstance? No matter where you are in your life, reintroduce your dry bones to Yahweh, that life giver. God promises to the household of Israel that he would put his spirit inside of them. These old promises that all the way back to Genesis 3.15, these old promises of God are still true today just for Ezekiel's people when he wrote this, and it's true for us today. The promises of God are not like a car and it depreciates as soon as you take it off the lot. This is not like jumping into a 2,500-year-old Hyundai Elantra. The promises of God last forever. And all of these purposes and these promises find their ultimate redemptive act and fulfillment in none other than Jesus, the Christ himself. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus' name means. It means Yahweh saves. These promises are fulfilled in Jesus, the one who gives life not only to our souls, but to our bodies. John 17 says this, church, just as, as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross in this time of his ministry, he says this in the high priestly prayer. John records this for us. He says, when Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus has this authority. 
He has this authority over all flesh and he is the one that gives eternal life no matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, no matter the circumstance of your life. It is Yahweh himself that gives life back to his people. Jesus is not a prophet like Ezekiel that speaks God's word. It's not like God speaks to Ezekiel, then Ezekiel speaks to the people. It is Jesus is the ultimate prophet that speaks on behalf of God because he is God speaking to his people. Jesus takes this curse of our rebellion. He takes our dry bones and he brings them back to life. He lived that life that none of us could live, church. And I'm sure you've heard this retort a thousand times, but if this phrase, if the gospel becomes dry bones to you, ask the Lord to change that. The Lord is the one, Jesus is the one who lived the life that we cannot live. He lived a perfectly righteous life that is accounted to me and to you if you are in Christ. Jesus is the one that went to the cross and had hell poured out on him for you. He was our substitutionary atonement. There's your theological word for the day. Jesus took your place and he made you forgiven and you should not have been forgiven but by his mercy. And his resurrection is showing us that he has authority over sin, that he has authority over death, that Jesus could not stay in the valley of dry bones. The valley of dry bones could not contain Yahweh that came to save his people. And because he passed from death into life, if you were in Christ this morning, you now have resurrection life through Jesus Christ himself. It is not by anything that you've done. It is the finished work of Jesus on the cross in his life as the resurrected king. We are co-heirs with Jesus. We are co-workers with Jesus. And for us as the church, think about this, that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that brought these bones back in Ezekiel 37 is the same spirit that now indwells you. He has not only saved us, but he has made us able to save others by sharing this good news. It is, it is through this gospel that we share that the Spirit works through us. It is the Holy Spirit as we share this good news with other people that he will work the word of God in their hearts to bring them back to life. God did not just save us from something, he has saved us for something. He has put us on mission with him today. And as we sit here on mission, as we prepare for our neighbors and we prepare for our coworkers and the people that we meet in the store this afternoon to share this good news, I want us to also recognize too that some of us are sitting here today and we are feeling like dry bones. We feel dried up. We do not feel like we're living this vibrant Christian life. We feel like there is bitterness among us. We feel like there is depression in our souls. We feel like everything is gray. And if this is you this morning, if you have backslidden, if, you have, if it feels like it's difficult to put your trust in God because of circumstances, I want to reintroduce you to Yahweh. I want to reintroduce you and tell you to go back to the God that has saved you, the God that has created you, the God that has called you. 
And if you're one that is here today that has not believed these things, if you hear this story and you think Christianity is for weak people that can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps, my answer to you is yes, that is absolutely true. Christianity is for the weakest that cannot pull ourselves up. Christianity is for those that cannot bring themselves back to life. Christianity is that we rely on Jesus himself that brings us back. And so if you have not rested and received Jesus as your Savior, I would encourage you to come talk to me, come talk to one of the elders, come talk to a deacon, somebody on the women's ministry team, somebody that you came with, and hear the gospel afresh once again. And so church, we are able to walk in this joyous repentance. We are able to say, I have not lived like a son or a daughter of the king. I have not walked in the kingdom of God, but I have gone my own way and my bones are dried up within me as that confession talked about. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus through his Holy Spirit brings us life again. And I pray, church, that you would act as the church and speak these promises of truth to each other. Christianity is not this lone ranger solo sport. We are a body of Christ that has been brought back to life to minister the words of Christ to each other. And so I would encourage you, if you're here today, to go meet somebody new, that you would be able to receive from them the words of Christ, and that you would be able to give the words of Christ back to them, that we would be this body that has been resurrected, as Ezekiel 37 has told us that we have been. And all of our fears and our worries, our cancers, our job losses, our broken families and our church drama, we can run back to the fact that it is Yahweh himself that gives us life. And so church, I would encourage you this week to remember, to reintroduce you, to re-invite you to sit at the feet of Yahweh. Death and dry bones meet Yahweh, the life giver. Let's pray. Jesus, I am blown away by the fact that you would save a single person. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us new life in you by your grace because we deserve to be these dry bones on the ground. But Lord, you've given us this refreshed, this renewed, this, this redeemed life in you and we thank you for that. And so Holy Spirit, I would ask you now to apply these promises to us individually. Apply these promises to us that as we think about the circumstances of our life, we think about the circumstances of our day and our relationships, that we would be driven and drawn back to Yahweh, the life giver, all for your glory and for our good, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.